The Gospel for the day of Pentecost is from the Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. John tells a little different version of the coming of the Holy Spirit. It happens in John's Gospel on the night of Jesus' resurrection. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to Please God. be seated. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you today from God our Creator, from Jesus our risen Savior, and from the mighty Spirit who blows upon you. As you've just heard, the Bible tells us two different Pentecost stories, one more intimate and immediate, the other more dramatic, and 50 days following the resurrection. It's the latter, it's the one from Acts that we'll focus on today. It was quite a party even before the Holy Spirit showed up. You see, Pentecost was a Jewish festival before it became significant for Christians. Pentecost means 50 and it comes 50 days after Passover. It was the festival on which God's people remembered God giving the Ten Commandments, the law, the Torah to God's people on Mount Sinai. Many Jews would have come from many nations and you heard uh, Peg go through the list of places that Jews came from. The Jewish Visitors and Convention Bureau had put up billboards on three continents to invite them to come to Jerusalem on Pentecost to celebrate. It would have been a little bit like going to Bethlehem to celebrate on Christmas Eve or maybe to Times Square in New York City to watch the ball drop on New Year's Eve. I said Christmas Eve for Bethlehem. New Year's Eve on, uh, in New York City. They came from all over the place. They came in different dress, with different customs, eating different foods, speaking different languages. It must have been quite a sight in downtown Jerusalem as people from all over were bumping into each other. Not so unlike the way it is today in the old city of Jerusalem. And somewhere in the city, Jesus' disciples are continuing to be obedient. They're continuing to watch and pray for the gift that Jesus promised them. We heard Jesus tell them last week in Acts 1 not to leave Jerusalem, but to stay in the city and wait for the promise of the Father. And the promise was that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you've just heard again what happened. First, a sound like the rush of a violent wind then tongues as of fire appearing and landing on each of them. Then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. What was the evidence? Luke tells us they began to speak in other tongues as in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. 
But even more surprising, somehow they must have been propelled out into public, even more surprising is that each member of the crowd, those gathered in this festival of nations, heard them speaking in the native language of each. No matter where they came from, they heard the gospel in their own language, by, spoken by these Galileans. Most who witnessed these events were amazed and perplexed and asked the right question, what in the world is going on? What can this mean? But some, some just sneered and said, well, it means they went to the bar before breakfast. What does this mean is the question in front of us this day of Pentecost. What does it mean that a bunch of minimally educated Galileans, rural folks, can suddenly communicate with strangers from all over the place about God's love revealed to us in Jesus Christ? I want to assert this morning that the Pentecost story means that God loves humanity in our diversity and that God can and will make a diverse creation with all of our differences into a place of blessing and new life. Now one way the Pentecost story is typically interpreted is that it is a reversal of the Tower of Babel incident. You may remember the Tower of Babel story. It's in Genesis 11 at the very beginning of the Bible. It happens after Noah and the flood. Humanity is growing in numbers and power. It has accumulated some assets. It's gotten back on its feet after the flood. And everyone still speaks the same language, it says in Genesis 11. And the people come to a certain place and decide to build a great city with walls and a great tower to make a name for themselves. They become afraid of the wideness of God's creation. They fear losing what they have acquired and so they erect stone walls and a tower instead of multiplying blessing over the face of the earth, which is what the call of God was to them. It's an old, old story, but not really all that old. God is alarmed at what God sees, and so God has a strategy. God decides to confuse their language so they don't communicate so well anymore. They don't all stay stuck in one place, and they eventually forget about the city and the tower, and they go their separate ways, and once again they become scattered over the face of the earth. Now the Pentecost story has been interpreted often as a reversal of this curse, this judgment, God pours out the Holy Spirit, the church is born, and a diverse crowd becomes one again. But that's not how the story goes. Jesus' followers do not speak a single language that everyone understands, nor do they speak some divine language that only the faithful can comprehend. What happens? The Holy Spirit somehow empowers the disciples to speak in all of the languages spoken by the visitors to Jerusalem. God makes God's intentions clear. It's not that we should adopt one Christian culture or one set of traditions or one language. God keeps our diversity intact as the Spirit communicates the good news of Jesus Christ to all. A certain high school <clears throat> Spanish teacher I know 
mostly, um, I, has said that occasionally a student will wonder, why doesn't everyone just speak the same language? It would make it so much simpler. And of course, the question really is, why doesn't everyone just speak English like me? And whenever we argue against diversity, what are we usually arguing for? We're usually arguing that everyone would become like me. So I don't have to become like them or get to know them or understand them. At Pentecost, God shows us how God comes to us in our differences to communicate the same gospel to all people. Rather than reversing the curse of Babel, Pentecost reinforces what happens in Genesis 11. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, who is one of the best, says that the scattering in the Tower of Babel story wasn't a curse of all, of, at all. It was, a, it was a sending forth to discover the wideness of creation's promise. Humanity got stuck in one place and became worried about making a name for themselves when God wanted them to continue to scatter over this planet of blessing. God's people interpreted it as a story of judgment because it upset the status quo, which still happens. A year ago, a, a man named Jones wrote a book called The End of White Christian America and talked about how the end of white Christian America can be understood as judgment from God due to a failure to stay true to a certain brand of white Protestant hegemony, which is the brand of faith <clears throat> practiced by the Portland man who unfortunately was named Christian who attacked and killed two men and wounded another who was defending, who were defending two young women of a different ethnicity. It's the same brand of faith practiced by some in other religions who see diversity as a threat. In fact, God meant the diversity caused in the Babel story as a blessing all along. And so what do the events of the first Pentecost mean? Well, it means for each of us that God is able to speak and understand our language. And I'm not just talking about English or Spanish or German or French or Arabic. It means that no matter how clear or how faltering our attempts to talk to God are, they get through. God understands. Whatever the particular dialect of our experience God gets it. God gets us. Our granddaughter, Evelyn, is learning more words by the week. Every time we see her, she's talking more, pointing out more things. More, we're able to understand her better and better, but there are still things, now that she can talk more, there are still things that she insists we should understand using words that we have no clue what she's talking about. She obviously has something in mind, but the words... The words just don't register with us, and she gets a little frustrated because it's cl pretty clear to hear what she, her what she is trying to say. That's not a problem for God, no matter how confusing our speech might be, no matter how made up our words. We don't need to learn or use a certain kind of church talk or holy speech to communicate with God or God with us. The Holy Spirit translates it just fine. Thank you. The Pentecost story also teaches us what a Pentecostal church looks like. And now by Pentecostal church, I don't mean 
the kind of church that we usually associate as being Pentecostal, one that speaks in tongues in worship. A Pentecostal church is one in which everyone does not speak the same language. Notice that the Spirit is not only poured out on people from different places who speak different languages. When Peter speaks his sermon and quotes Joel, he talks about a Spirit being poured out on sons and daughters across gender lines, on different generations. The young men shall dream dreams, the old men shall see visions. And on different economic classes, even the slaves will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we who are in those different groups don't speak the same language. And yet God delights in bringing us together in one spirit. A Pentecostal church will open its doors and its people will open its arms wider and wider, as widely as possible. Such a church will seek to share the grace and love of God with all kinds of people and not require them to come to us or become like us. This month, our visioning team is working on putting together a finalized, detailed roadmap for Spirit of Joy as best as we've been able to discern it. And one of our trajectories is to focus our sending. And we're still praying about the specifics of what might that look like. But But one of the things that keeps coming up, one of the out-of-our-comfort-zone possibilities that keeps popping up is in the general category of cross-cultural ministries. The holy wind of God seems to to be blowing this mostly white, mostly well-off congregation towards new and deeper relationships with people who don't speak our language or share our upwardly mobile culture. Some of our partners have already taken the lead in doing those things with our Hispanic neighbors, with our native brothers and sisters, with our companion Lutherans in Nicaragua. Quick commercial, tomorrow night we are privileged to have here our missionary from Nicaragua as well as a missionary couple from Cameroon. They will both be here at Spirit of Joy to tell the story of what God is doing by the power of the Holy Spirit in Nicaragua and in Cameroon, distant places from here, but partners in ministry. Pentecostal church understands that without those people, we cannot be God's people. If we try, if we try, we simply miss out on the rich diversity and the wonderful blessing in God's creation that God means for us to enjoy as a diverse church. And finally, a Pentecostal church, a church alive and on the move by the Holy Spirit, might just be accused of being drunk before lunch. If we are spirit-empowered and spirit-led into doing things like radical generosity and passionate worship and bold service and extravagant generosity, someone might accuse us of going to McNally's before we come to worship. But better to be accused of going to the bar for breakfast than of dodging the holy wind or of smothering her flame. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.